Hello. So this is episode four of season seven. Now, season seven is called The Stages of Home Construction. We are diving into the process of home construction for both new builds and renovations, so you can feel informed as your project gets built. We're looking at the what, the when, the who and the how of each stage, and we're giving you loads of helpful cost-saving and stress-saving ideas and information along the way. Now, in this episode, we talk about this next stage of construction, which is called the frame stage. So this is where the skeleton of your home gets built, basically the sticks that make up the frames of the walls, any upper floors, and uh, your roof frame as well. And there are loads of decisions that you need to make before all of this work gets wrapped up inside your walls uh, so that your finished home works well. Knowing what you need to get done in this stage, plus how to actually check this stage before your project moves on, this will save, you know, it will significantly save drama down the track. And so Duane and I talk about some great steps that you can take to really be sure and what to expect from your builder in their communication and planning. Now, some terminology to familiarise yourself with if this is the first episode in this season that you're diving into. Dwayne and I refer a lot to drawers during this season. Now, we're not meaning the drawers that you keep your socks in. A drawer is actually a payment on the building contract. So when you sign a contract with a builder, a builder will actually identify a series of drawers or progress claims or progress payments. And as work on your project is completed, the builder will submit an invoice for that draw, identifying the work that has been completed and asking you to pay for it. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before I jump into the podcast episode, I want to share with you some exciting information about an online program that I've launched in collaboration with this season of the podcast, and it's available for you to access now. The program is called Manage Your Build, and it's all about helping you navigate the construction of your new home or renovation with sanity, feeling confident and informed. If you want to be better informed about what's happening during the construction of your home or understand what you can expect of your builder or of the contract and you know whether you're getting what you've paid for, then Manage Your Build is designed to simplify this for you. Manage Your Build will give you key knowledge, tools, cheat sheets, industry insider checklists and tips, plus strategies to save your sanity and budget as well. This online program can support you, help you avoid expensive mistakes and drama and put you in the driver's seat, feeling confident during the construction of your new home or renovation. So if you want to check it out, head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash manage your build. There's more information there about what's inside the program, what it includes and how it can support you and save you stress and money as you navigate the construction of your renovation or new home and actually make the process enjoyable for you. So head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash manage your build. 
Rightio, Dwayne. So we are into episode four and we're talking now about the frame stage. So this is obviously, again, can be broken up into lots of different drawers. Uh, In method A, it sits as one bundle of stuff, but in reality, it's actually a lot of different steps. Again, a lot of different people involved, a lot of different work. And it's really that phase of getting the skeleton of your house built, all of the structure that goes from the slab up to create the walls. If you've got a second story, that level, the walls above that and the roof as well, and getting all of that structure in place. And that structure could be timber frame, it could be steel frame, and it could have structural steel in it as well. So can you just take us through then a bit about, you know, what homeowners need to know about what actually happens in the frame stage, what what physical tasks are being carried out and what this might look like on site. Yeah, look, the frame stage is, well, in most jobs, it's one of the biggest stages of the job. It's definitely the stage where things start coming together and the, the homeowners start asking more questions because they can start to see the size of, of uh, rooms and ceilings and all that sort of thing. But look, again, depending on the type of job, the style of home, whether it's custom home or a pretty straightforward house there can definitely be a lot of other drawers that can be broken down into this this area we've we've done large architectural homes that have got a huge amount of structural steel some get built almost like a big portal frame so there's a complete drawer just for the steel work i think we spoke about in episode three so this this includes shop drawings and supply might be some galvanizing and then all the rigging and on-site installation and that can often involve a crane as well to lift it into place as well if it's not physically able to be moved into place because there are limits about what people are physically allowed to carry. And Yeah, depending on the site, it, it, yeah, definitely a crane or some sort of lifting equipment to, to get the steel in place. Quite often a lot of prop, might need some macro props or some scaffolding to, uh, to set it up. It's not definitely not uncommon now with the designs that people are wanting with big open plant spaces to, to have more structural steel. Like 10 years ago, a builder hardly saw a steel beam in a house and now with these big open areas, it's, it's very common. So again, that, that comes back to making sure you get the engineering sorted right at the beginning of the job. And then, yeah, so once the structural steel's up, then again, depending on the job, the, the builder starts doing the framing. So whether or not he's got his own carpenters or he might have a framing gang that come in and do all the framing. There's also a lot of there's different ways to do the frame, which a lot of clients don't probably understand or, or know the details. So, look, a lot of the times de- these days, again, just purely for time, um, if it's quite a simple, straightforward home, a lot of builders will use pre-nailed frames. So they're, when you say pre-nailed, they're made off-site in a factory and bought, already assembled to site and literally just tilt up into place? Is that yeah, sort of so, what you're describing? Like we discussed in episode three with the uh, the slab set out drawing, um, this is where it comes into play. So if a builder's getting a pre-nailed frame, obviously the slab has to be to the millimetre because those drawings or the CAD files get put into the computers at the factory. Everything gets cut to size and then they have really big large tables where all the walls get laid out and they all get made inside a shed. Uh, which obviously never gets affected by weather, so they can just make them and have them sitting outside in the yard, and then once the builder's ready for them, they get delivered on a truck on site. Um, It's a very efficient way to build. Even a large home, you can have all the walls up, braced, tied down, ready for the roof or ready for the next level within a couple of days. But then 
look, we still do a lot of our jobs as a, what we call a stick frame and definitely on more customised homes where there's lots of different angles or different heights of walls, um, lots of step downs. It's a more efficient way of doing it. So basically the timber just comes in big packs of straight lengths of timber on the back of a truck and then all the wall plates are all marked out on side, all the studs are cut. Um, basically it goes from being a big pack of timber to a wall um, on the site. So, And so that process of choosing whether you're going to have pre-made or, or it's going to be built on site, you know, to size and scale manually by carpenters, is there a price difference between those or is it, do they really sort of balance out because, you know, the cost of one balances out the labour of the other? Look, I think it comes down to the builder. I think there's definitely a cost saving in the pre-nailed. Like that's most you'll see most of the project guys doing that because it's so efficient and, and fast. I think that's probably the main reason that more people do it is because of the time you save. Like as an example, say a 200, 240 square metre house, a pre-nailed frame will generally be stood up in a day. Mm. Like the, the frames will get delivered. The next morning the carpenters will start and it'll, it'll be up basically ready for a roof in a day and a half. Whereas a stick frame of that same size could easily take... So a pre-nailed frame, you might have three to four sort of carpenters working on it. A stick frame, you might have the same number or even maybe a couple more guys, but you could take three, four, five days to get to the same point. So, And again, it's one, like we've discussed in a few of the episodes, it, it's a labour thing. So whenever there's... Because of the cost of labour these days, anything that involves more labour is what really blows the, the cost out. Yeah, and I suppose it's a case of the builder making an assessment as to what's going to be more efficient because obviously pre-nailed frames do require a lot of accuracy in the slab pour, as you, as you were saying, because of the they're being built to measure off-site. There's a bit more flexibility, obviously, when you're building things on-site to fix and change things as you go. I often see that pre-nailed frames will arrive and they still need some level of adapting and changing to put them all together. Something will be missed or something needs to be sort of adjusted. So. Yeah, they, they always need work on site. We're, we definitely assess it job by job. There's definitely some jobs that you get and you just there's no way in the world you would do a pre-nailed frame. But like particularly like a custom home or an architectural home, it's pretty unlikely to, uh, to use a pre-nailed frame. The beauty about doing a frame on site as a stick frame is if there is little things that need to be altered on site, it's easily done. You're not trying to, you're not having to pull a wall apart and rebuild it. But one area where it really makes a big difference is where you guys like having windows tight in corners or. By you guys, so, you mean us designers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. The yeah. other people. <laughs> so, in, anywhere. Like with the pre-nailed frame, they will they finish a wall. A wall's completed on site. So even though on the plans it might show a window tight in a corner or two windows tight beside each other, they'll themselves, like just in the factory, will spread them apart so they can get what we call jacks and understuds beside the windows which support the beams and things. So that basically can make the edges of the frame strong and self-sustaining and and strong, stable. Yeah. So even though you might have yeah a window as you're saying that's detailed to be into the corner or uh, even be a corner window, they'll still build it how it needs to be for the frame to stand they'll, on its own. Yeah, they'll they'll push it out. More than likely, there'll be two or three studs in a corner. So rather than the window being in the corner, it'll be 140 mil out of the corner. Whereas if when we're doing the stick frame on site, we can 
push studs into different positions and and uh, jiggle things around to make it work. So, and and also steel posts. It's definitely not uncommon for us to have to throw a steel post in on site to make sure we get things tight in the corner. So, because tim- timber's only got so much strength, you know, you do so much with it. So, do you ever use steel frames for projects? Uh, look, we haven't had a lot of experience with steel. Um, I think we're going to have to because obviously timbers. We've already um, been informed that timber's getting short over the coming years, so mm-hmm. I think it's only a matter of time and there will be a lot more steel framing going on. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it, but that's uh, that probably comes down to just not having enough experience with it. But It's yeah. a question I get asked a lot as to why people might prefer one over the other, and particularly people who might be building regionally, trying to make sure that their home is as termite-proof as possible. They're concerned about whether a steel frame makes noise as it, as it contracts and expands, what that might do to the noise that the house makes generally. And I, I personally have not had a lot of it. We've, I've used seen steel frame being used in commercial buildings, obviously, when I was, you know, working in bigger practices. But the Australian residential market and a lot of the residential markets around the world are largely on timber. They're based on timber frame and you have access to a lot of trades, a lot of competitive pricing advantages then because you can access a lot of people who can do that work for you. So Yeah, I think times are definitely changing. I, I, I do think it's only a matter of time where we will all have to start using steel steel frames wherever we can purely because timbers like the the whole industry around the world is going crazy and obviously we've got to be able to keep up with timber supply but look on on custom homes and architectural homes i think the steel from past experience where we've had people ask us and we've priced them up the steel's always been substantially more expensive than the timber but not only that obviously timber's so much more workable and and easy to use on site there is, yeah, there is that retrofit possibility, isn't there? And also, if you're wanting anything structural in a wall, often the builder will come through and be putting in timber noggings between yeah. the steel frames anyway. So, Yeah, but I think it's just one of those things we're going to have to adapt to over the coming years and, and everyone's going to have to use a bit more of it. Yeah. No, it's good to have that conversation because I know it's a question that comes up quite a lot. So, okay, so you've got your structural steel up. If you've had structural steel, you've potentially had to have shop drawings done, steel fabrication. You may have had to pay for that earlier than this stage to get that process in train. You then and and I do see a lot of those architecture, architecturally designed homes and and uh, you know homes that uh, you know even our colleague Aaron does. Oftentimes, sometimes the if you get the structural engineer involved early, they can look at a design and say, okay, well we know we're going to need this amount of steel to do X, Y, and Z. But if we if we potentially add this steel here and this steel here, we will get a portal up. Um, so it'll be a complete frame that'll go up very quickly. And what we might spend in steel will save in time. And because you'll have a shell and a structure up instantaneously that just yeah. gets infilled rather than needing to prop steel on scaffolding and acro props to then get yeah. the frame around it. So yep. It's definitely that teamwork process in, in creating the frame design is very important, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. And it, like, you'd be surprised these days what they can do in timber. So, um, yeah, definitely coming back to that team thing again, like getting everyone involved early. So, look, one thing Aaron does very early on, like generally once he's completed the concept drawings, he flicks it off. So we, we've actually, more so Aaron, but we've, we've got an uh, engineer now that's working pretty closely with us. So Aaron will flick him the concept drawings or the preliminary plans, 
and he flicks them back just with a lot of handwritten notes over them. So that allows us to go to the next level. And look, it's not uncommon. Sometimes I'll think, or we'll think there should have been steel somewhere. He'll come back and say, oh, no, that's fine. We'll, we'll get that in a timber beam. So definitely having that collaboration during the process helps. But again, coming back to, I think, the, the first episode, having that import can avoid the cost. Like if you sign a contract and you haven't had the engineer oversee the entire home and your builder hasn't allowed for any steel and then you get drawings back that have got some HAZ posts and some PFCs over, you might have a large sliding door or just even just simple things like a, a garage with brickwork over it. If it hasn't been noted on the plan, like there's a there's a few thousand dollars. So yeah, and it's a nasty surprise up front. Um, Aaron, um, listeners, is Aaron Wales of Aaron Wales Building Design. I interviewed him in season four, I think it's episode two or three, where he spoke. He speaks in that interview about what a building designer um, does and how they work. Uh, Aaron and I have worked together for I'm trying to think now. It's years, <laughs> um, and uh, he and Dwayne are now working closely together on creating that integrated approach to building and renovating. So, and I share with my members in my online programs, actually, that two-step process that we've done with structural engineers where you actually ask the structural engineer to price that they do a sketch design first and then they follow up with their documentation so that you can give them concept drawings quite early on, get that sketch overlay that then helps you develop the design and inform and there's a a conversation that happens before you prepare your final documentation. And it means Mm. too that you can get, because often builders will say, I can't price anything until I've got some engineering drawings. And so for to have the sketches is enough to get for the builder to give a realistic estimate that's actually based on something tangible. So, Like I mentioned before, it also, the engineer might, just having someone else in the team, the engineer might come up with something that has been overlooked by everyone and it could affect the pricing. So even uh, we've got a job we're working on at the moment where we knew the soil test wasn't that good, but it's, um, so it's actually got a, a garage and front area on a slab on ground and then it's got a subfloor area that's, the ground slopes away and it's built over. And during all my preliminary costings, I've just been working on each post being in a pier. Mm-hmm. But the, we flicked it, like, so we flicked the preliminary drawings off the engineer, and he's now come back and said, "Look, that that's not going to be enough, like, because the soil is really bad. You're actually going to have to put a footing to join the entire perimeter together." So, so we're only at very early stages on that job. So now that's been picked up. Aaron can now incorporate that in his drawings, and I can added into my cost as we move forward. So. And you can adjust the rest of the house so that your budget doesn't get off train. So, yeah. 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 Whereas you can imagine if you had not done that, Aaron would have gone on his merry way finishing his design, would have been handed over to you, would have then got the engineering, and there would have been a nasty shock that would be tens of thousands of dollars, you know, after yeah. everybody's sort of ready to get yep. going. And that's that's where I see so many homeowners just get so frustrated with the process, so demoralised and just expect that that's actually the way that it's going to be, whereas there is always the opportunity to bring that collaboration and those decisions forward to make a real key difference to your project overall. Yeah, I think that's it's another area that's, I think, given the industry a really bad name over the years because if, if there's not that collaboration, um, like we've said, the the drawings get completed. Um, nine times, well, in the old days, the builder didn't see the plans until they were finished. And then he got, like, he put a price on it and then it was, it was his fault. And mm. then everyone's at the builder to drop their margin or lower it. Like, you've got to get it to our budget. We've been told that can be built to our budget. And it's not the case. So, and then everyone, like, they obviously get put off because then it's over budget. 
everybody's got to then spend more time. Um, the builder like gets put offside straight away because he he's done nothing wrong, but he's getting he's the bad guy. The architect or designer's got to redesign things nine times out of ten to an extra fee to the client, and then obviously the client loses more time. So it's it's a flow on effect. Like if you don't have that early collaboration, then it it really blows things out, and then. I'm not sure on the exact figures, but like, there's a huge number of drawings that actually never, ever get built. So. Mm. Yeah, it's, yeah. The number of, I don't know what the stats are either, but I know from personal experience, a number of projects that I see architects and building designers and drafts people do that never get built. Yeah, it's extraordinary. And and each of those jobs represents a homeowner who has had their dreams totally dashed. You know, they've invested yeah. love and energy and money and time into creating a dream, thinking it was going to be achievable, and then had felt like they've had the rug pulled out from under them because it's not measured up to what they thought it was going to be. So it's it's a terrible experience for everyone because a designer doesn't get their work built, a homeowner doesn't get their dream delivered, you know, and so it's great for us to be talking the about ways that... Like the bad guy. And the builder looks like the bad guy. <laughs> and the industry gets a bad name overall and it's yeah. just painted as this... Yeah, ongoing disaster. So, all right. So we're looking, we've got structural steel, we've got timber frame infill. Um, we're building up the walls and then once we've got the walls in place, then the roof framing can come in. So roof framing can either be trusses or it can be rafters. Yeah, hand pitch rafters. And, and look, this is, a again, depending on the project and the size of it, it's definitely not uncommon for us over the years to break the frame drawer into two, sometimes even three drawers. If it's a very complicated house or a very large house, you might have a gang of chippies on the frame for two months, three months. Um, we've had chippies on a frame once for nine months on a really large home. Wow. So like, you've got to obviously schedule the job and your progress payments to allow for that. Like Obviously, a builder can't be expected to go two, three months um, covering all materials and all labour. So... So it's it's one of those the frame is definitely one of the biggest parts of the jobs and it's it's one of those parts that like in that stage could be broken up into like six, eight, possibly even ten different drawers. Yeah, and I think when you start to understand the, the time frames that might be involved and the number of people that might be involved in physically constructing that, then it makes sense. And it, it's it's weird because when it starts to happen, it does sort of feel like it's happening very quickly. You do, as a homeowner, get a very quick picture of sort of what the the shell of your house is going to start looking like, and particularly when you get the roof on. And, and, and a builder is obviously seeking to get to the building being waterproof as fast as possible. You know, the whole yeah. gear at this point isn't it is to get yeah. that house to the point where it's enclosed so that they are not impacted by what the weather's doing anymore in terms of the way that they can work. So, and that things aren't so, being left out in the elements as well. Yeah, so one thing with the frame stage, and we've definitely been pulled up on it before, is it, it's one of the, probably the only stages where a builder will leave work incomplete because... Like, like you said, our priority is getting it to a stage where we can get the fascia and gutter and get the roof on and, and get it um, out of the weather. So it's definitely not uncommon for us to just get the frame up as quickly as possible and then come back and, depending on the size of the job, spend a few more weeks finishing the frame internally. So, yeah, priority is once the slab or subfloor's down, just get the frame to a point where it's safe and we can get a roof on it. Once the roof's on, everyone can work in the shade, out of the weather, and we can start. To, then, then we work our way back down, like tidying up, straightening walls, 
packing things, making things level, planning knobs, like getting getting the frame all tidied up and neat. Yeah, that's great to know. And I think too, homeowners also need to be aware that if they want to hang anything on their walls, be it like a wall hung vanity yeah. or uh, uh, towel rails and toilet roll holders, you know, you don't want to just be driving those into plasterboard. You want them to be going into a, a frame that has some structural strength to it. So understanding where these things are all positioned and set out is really important at the frame stage, as is understanding uh, the kinds of details that you want might want in terms of uh, reveals around, like the openings around doors. If all of your architraves are just being applied, then that's fine. But if you're wanting anything to be recessed or flush with anything, you've, of course, you've got to understand that the structure is going to drive where things are going to be set out as well. So I think too... Once, once of course, the structure, the frame goes up, so you have structural steel, you have timber frame go up, you've got the roof going on, you may also need additional bracing on the house. So bracing stops the house from twisting, obviously. So yep. we've got structure that stops the house from squashing the people inside it <laughs> or blowing away. And then we've got structure that stops the house from twisting. And that's the ply bracing that you often see being put onto yep. houses. So that obviously goes on as part, as, and is that included in this sort of stage of work as well? Yeah, so look, the frame, to get a frame drawer, so gen- generally the frame drawer has to be signed off by an engineer or the certifier. So that frame drawer involves the, the whole frame being tied down. So depending on the wind rating or the cyclone rating that the, the house has got, um, depends on what type of tie down, how close they are together and, and all those types of things. And then the bracing is part of that. So when the engineer or the certifier comes to do their frame inspection, the, that side of it has to be completely finished. They need to see that yeah, the builder hasn't cut any corners, it's not going to blow away, it's not going to fall down. And obviously at that point, it's then safe to put a roof on. So, But just going back to the, the noggings and things, I, I hear builders complain and, and like what I think we spoke about in one of the episodes, like you've got to come up with ways to resolve your problems. And over the years and, and even now, you hear lots of stories about builders having a bit of a sook about having to do things twice or three times or the owner changing this, the owner changing that. And again, there's no need for that. If they spent the time early on, help the owner out or, or set a date that the owner have to have everything selected by, and then at the frame stage, take an hour, two hours. Like It's not a long amount of time. Do a walkthrough with your home, with your client. Like Go through every room. So we've actually got a a really good dot point checklist that we've done over the years. So this is a checklist that you do, you take through just to check <clears> off that you've done everything as per what your standards for your business practices are? Is that? Yeah, so we we generally do this um, just prior to the jip rock going on. But, but look, on custom built homes, I, I think it's so important for builders to do their walkthroughs. So once the frame's up and you're at that point that you're ready for a roof, while the carpenters are coming back through, finishing everything off, Organise a site meeting, take an hour, two hours, whatever it takes with your client, walk through every room, ask them if they're happy with where things are, if they like the wind. Like Even though it's all wind on the plans, it doesn't hurt to ask the questions because we've had jobs go all the way through to plastering or even carpentry fit out and owners have decided to move a window location or something. Like the outside of the house, we've had jobs where the outside of the house has been bricked and they oh, then wow. decide to, to change windows. So look, this is why over the years we've... So we, we point things out now. Um, I think we've discussed people assume a lot. You spend that hour or two with a client, 
you ask questions. You walk through the rooms. You ask them if they're happy with the windows in that position. The door, you show them this door's going to open this way. We ask all our clients to give us a list or have a list when they come to their walkthrough if they've got any special artwork, if there's extra large things they want to hang on walls, if there's future shelving they want to put in. And that way we can get all the nogs and things in the wall. We get our clients, after those walkthroughs, we get them to sign off on our checklist. So That's a great strategy. And I think it... You know, it's a really good lesson for the homeowner listening to think, okay, I've, I've got to make sure that I have that conversation with my builder about can I come through at frame stage because that is really your last chance to, uh, in the grand scheme of things, inexpensively change something. You know, yeah. cheapest time is in when it's in drawings, you know, and then when it's a timber stud frame, shifting and changing things, it will cost you money because there's labour and t- potentially extra materials involved, but that's far less expensive than when the window's already in place yeah. uh, or the external and internal cladding is on and um, things are being finished up. And so I think that, yeah, that's a great idea. You need to understand, so when Dwayne's talking about noggings, they're the extra bits of timber framing that go in to be able to take points that you might need to hang things on. So, And based on well, the weight of something that you're hanging, that will change how many noggings get added and how they get fixed across a frame. But you'll be looking at things like, are you having a wall-hung TV? Are you hanging no. any shelving? Are you um, wanting to do any blinds or um, things like that over the tops of your curtain, your windows, are you, yeah, your towel rail holders, uh, your towel rails, your toilet roll holders, your wall hung vanities, um, all of the things need, they will need extra structure than what a standard frame provides. Uh, In in wall systems, like lots of people have an in wall systems and wall hung toilets now. So again, got to be signed off at slab stage, get your plumbing in the right position. And then, yeah, obviously that affects the frame. A lot of the in wall systems now are coming out in pre made steel frames that have to be fitted between studs. So, yeah, you, you've got to have all that uh, information and selections made very early on. And look, I, I definitely think that walkthrough at uh, frame stage is the most important time of the job because uh, it will. If you want to change something after yeah, that, from there on in, you kind of it gets very you, expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is a really good wrap up of the frame stage where we're basically looking at creating the skeleton of the house and getting it ready so that we can start to wrap it up. So, so yeah, thanks very much, Dwayne, for giving us such a comprehensive look at that phase of work. No worries. Now, before I head off, let me tell you some more about QuoteSpec. So QuoteSpec is our podcast partner this season. And QuoteSpec is a cloud-based quoting app that enables builders and tradespeople to create professional, easy to use and easy to understand quotes. And it also allows homeowners to see exactly what has been included and not included in their quote and to have confidence that they can manage their budget and build without drama. Now, we've spoken before on the podcast about how to choose a builder well. You know, Dwayne's shared some great ideas across the course of this season. And in his, in that interview that I did with him back in season four, one of the tips that Dwayne gave was as a homeowner to actually ask to speak to the builder's suppliers and subcontractors to get an idea about what they would like to work with. Do they pay their bills on time? You know, are they, are they a reputable builder that's got some good financial stability because you know this is one key way that you as a homeowner can get insider information on the suitability of a builder for your project look 
you know, you'll often see builders who've been in operation for a while and they're organised and they're running their projects in a systemised and efficient way. And they're able to do this because they're working with reliable and regularly used subbies and suppliers. You know, they keep they keep these guys employed and they, they can always trust that they're going to deliver the work the way that they need them to. And one of the great things about QuoteSpec is that it actually enables a builder or a tradesperson to store all of the contact details of their regularly used suppliers and subcontractors within the actual app. And so when a builder is putting together a quote, they can then they can then allocate these tra- these trades and, and uh, supplies and subcontractors to specific tasks and components of the quote. This actually streamlines the production of the quote and it also highlights where gaps may be or extra information has to be collated to fulfil the homeowner's request so that, you know, you as a homeowner aren't getting caught out with something being forgotten. Now, this information that the builder is putting together, that can be sent directly from QuoteSpec to these suppliers and subcontractors as well. That keeps all of that communication in one place. That helps builders and tradespeople to keep track of the info that they're waiting on. And it can, you know, be sure that they're getting their quote back to you as the homeowner in a timely manner. So you're not sitting around twiddling your thumbs, wondering whether the builder's going to worry about you and tell you in an, you know, in a, in, in a timely and efficient manner, what your home's actually going to cost to build or renovate. You know, as a homeowner, wouldn't you love, to work with a builder or a tradesperson who understands how important efficiency and communication is, who actually uses systems and processes to keep track of your job, who doesn't operate their business out of a glove box or walk around with a bunch of paper documents, you know, shoved into the back of an A4 diary that are constantly falling out of them every time they open them up, you know, who actually has the ability to communicate with you in one place, in one app, in an interactive way that you can access on your device or your phone or your computer, wherever you are. That I mean, doesn't that sound awesome? So homeowners, you know, ask your builder or tradesperson, do you use QuoteSpec? And if they don't, remember the website to send them to, and you can go and check this out too so that you can see for yourself what this tool is like. So this is QuoteSpec, Q-U-O-T-E-S-P-E-C.com.au forward slash undercover architect. So that's www.quotespec.com.au forward slash undercover architect. I really love QuoteSpec as a tool and a platform, and I know that you will too. Now, the next episode, okay, Dwayne and I, we're going to be discussing the lock-up or enclosed stage. Now, this is where your home gets made watertight and its exterior all gets wrapped up. And to be honest, this is where building work is generally racing to get to because getting your home watertight and protected so that everybody can work undercover and out of the elements, uh, that's where progress is really pushing to get to because from there on in, things can be run a lot more simply. So there's a lot involved in this stage and we're actually going to break it into two episodes so that we can make sure we can get through it and uh, keep it comprehensive and detailed. So listen to the next episode for part one of the lock-up or enclosed stage. And please mention this season to any friends, family or colleagues who might be building their projects soon as well, because this is information that can help so many homeowners have a far better experience with their renovation or new home construction. Remember all of the links for this episode, all those web addresses I've mentioned, they're all in the show notes. So head there for more information. Looking forward to next time. Bye. Bye.